0: Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. I'm your host, Chad Madden. This week, I wanted to share with you a recording from a recent webinar that I hosted. To get access to the slides and videos of this recording, you can visit getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. Remember, this was a training hosted with a live audience, so there are real-time questions and answers that I think you will find valuable. Without further ado, let's get started. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to our uh, webinar here. We're going to be covering, again, uh, 2022 physician fee schedule and uh, the Medicare cuts. Uh, I, we're going to cover uh Maybe 15 minutes of material here in the beginning, uh, summation of what came out. And Mary has dutifully read all 2,400 pages plus of uh, the physician fee schedule, and she's going to help uh, clarify. I, I'm in the same boat as many of you, where we're looking ahead to our, our revenues for next year and what does this mean for our practice. We're going to make sure um, that you walk away with some key action steps. Hey, podcast listeners, when we make assumptions about others, it's Just not fair. In spite of that, I'm going to make an assumption about you. You have a growth mindset. You want to help more people, leave a bigger impact, build a better practice. Am I close? If I'm right, then I have a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. But first, if you're a regular listener, you probably know that this is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for private practice growth. Breakthrough's mission is to help people in pain get back to normal, live healthier, and do it naturally. The best way to do this is by empowering private practice owners like you to grow your business through direct-to-consumer marketing. If you're a practice owner with a growth mindset, you'd benefit from a risk-free consultation with a breakthrough growth expert. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. On that call, you'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with breakthrough systems. As an added bonus, the team at breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend this growth consultation, sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at get com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's get com forward slash podcast offer. Yes, sir. Great. Okay. so, If you have any questions as we're going through here, we're gonna have a lot of time for you. Make sure you pop those uh, those in the Q&A. Mary and Alicia uh, will be on here to answer any questions that you might have. So uh, our agenda here for the call, we're gonna discuss uh, the the nuts and bolts of the uh, Medicare changes here in 2022. We're also gonna take a look at what this means for your practice as you're planning ahead uh, for next year. And again, we'll have that time for Q&A. So uh, final changes to Medicare rules, Um, and Mary, correct any, I I think you worked with um, Andrea to uh, get this in and make sure it's accurate, but PTs 3.7% reduction, OTs 3.9%, looks like the PTA thing is officially official, and we're going to have a 15% cut there. And yeah, any other changes that you want to talk about on this slide before we get into the other other things?
1: You know, I like to look at everything with a little bit of positiveness. And uh, while we really didn't get um, permission to change, permission, I hate to use that word, but uh, we did not get approval for virtual supervision. So we didn't get general uh, uh, supervision uh, through uh, legislative endeavor. We do have it extended um, through the pandemic waiver. So we, that is extended at least until 2023. So that means that you all can supervise your PTAs, your OTAs using audiovisual communication. So that's a positive at this point. We have to look for every one of them.
0: That is a thin silver lining, Mary. (laughs) Oh, come on! (laughs) Brutal. All right. So, uh, and do you want to walk through the other changes to Medicare to that? Absolutely.
1: So, um, and I will tell you, we, you know, we're not going to get into um, the weeds on the um, PTA coding. scenarios because that would take the whole hour or two or three or four so uh, if you have those kind of questions we are providing you with a a takeaway that is um, a summary so it's not terribly detailed but they continue to change things so i just want to say that as we move into this Uh, another silver lining here we are looking for them again remote therapeutic monitoring so We can um, build these codes. We have been asking for something of this nature for years. We often spend a lot of time uh, monitoring our patients, um, even in clinics, and now we're able to do it virtually um, so we can build these codes. They're 20-minute codes. This is a real difference for us, guys. So um, there are five codes. And um, two of the codes are for the actual process of monitoring. Uh, two codes are for the different type of devices. And then there is a code that, believe this or not, allows for education. So um, those are, that's a good thing. Uh, we do have a little more information. You will excuse me, you will get that information in, in the takeaways. And I believe Andrea and Alicia have put those links in your chat box. Um, of course, we know annually the KX modifier threshold, remember there is no cap, just a threshold, uh, is 2150 for 2023, excuse me, 2022. And we split that of course with the uh, speech and language and oh, I see, I'm really uh, emphasizing the fact that the OTs uh, get their own because I put two dollar signs there. Um, one thing that I think is important for people to understand on these thresholds is the threshold is not a cap. It is merely a reminder that once you hit that level, you must affix the KX. When that KX is affixed, It is an attestation that the documentation supports medical necessity. That attestation is made when the therapist NPI is placed on the claim on the same line as the KX modifier. Uh, We do have the medical review uh, threshold. That again is not a cap. It is not an automatic audit like we had with the RAC. It is Again, a reminder, hey, you're spending some money here, or you're getting paid some money, so uh, make sure that your documentation supports medical necessity. The thing that will trigger an audit faster than anything is aberrant billing behavior, and no one understands that better than Chad, because we have talked about this at Breakthrough Sessions so many times. So if you need more information on aberrant billing behavior, we certainly can get that to you, but they look at the claim and that's what triggers that audit. You want Mary, to say for,
0: that? Yeah, for um, new owners here, uh, because we're over a hundred people that are on this right now, can you talk about just like one example of uh, uh, inappropriate billing behavior or a
1: Okay, uh, well, we'll use the one that you love the most redundant billing behavior great okay so if you routinely build the same codes throughout the episode of care that is that's a yellow flag if you do it routinely for all diagnoses because everybody tells me we always build the same codes okay so what does that say Does that mean that you are not really thinking through what you're doing and how you're progressing the patient to function? So using, let's just say you always use exercise, manual therapy and therapeutic activities, and you use that day one all the way through. Well, that would be redundant coding, or if you used exercise to describe everything you do, you would be failing to most likely Uh, be adhering to the definition of therapeutic exercise, because I read your charts. We look at those when we audit, and we are definitely moving the patient through a continuum of care. It's not all exercise, so we want to make sure that we uh, move the patient through the continuum, that we don't use codes that infer uh, function before there is a lot of dynamic function, so using um, therapeutic uh, activities early on uh, probably would indicate you've got a patient who's pretty functional. and You should discharge them pretty quickly. Um, so no redundant use of the codes. Think of moving the patient from, function, from foundational activities to functional activities that demonstrates clinical decision-making when they read the claim before they audit you.
0: Great. So 97140 times two plus 97110 times two in 90% of our cases, 90% of our visits is a red flag.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Uh, So there's a couple of um, bills that are out there right now that we would encourage you to support the nationwide PTO access to local tenants. It's very important um, piece of legislation. Um, write your congressman, call your congressman, whatever. These are the bill numbers. The important thing that this would provide us with is um, compliance. And the reason it's compliance is because we run into situations when we're where we do not have someone to cover up for us. We have emergencies. We have babies. We have personal matters, we have short staff, we have to get a PT in there to cover for us. And at this point, we don't have that prerogative. Physicians and a few other non-physician practitioners do. If we have that, we would be able to pull in a therapist who is not enrolled in Medicare. They would bill under the therapist that, that is being replaced. and. You would pay that particular locum tenants therapist um, either a fee for time or uh, whatever your per visit per day and that type of thing. Medicare payment would come to the facility that will give us so much latitude and so much help, because otherwise, if you are using a PRN, they're not enrolled. Um, and you choose to uh, bill under someone's number who is not the providing therapist. You have a potential false claim. The second one is the general supervision. As I said, we didn't get that. We got a little smidging of it with the audiovisual through the um, pandemic waivers. Uh, but this particular bill is called the Smart Act, and uh, it it, uh, it is supported by a um, a letter that 245 Congressmen uh, drafted and sent uh, to both the House and to the Senate. And um, this is saying that, hey, why isn't everybody getting to um, have a level playing ground? That this act also supports um, a better balance in payments, so that we do not continue to have the physician fee schedule, which has to be adjusted annually, and you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. So nice act. Read it. I'd encourage you to read it um, and contact your legislator. The last one is uh, permanent listing as telehealth providers. Uh, We have that, again, through um, the pandemic waiver. We are not listed statutorily as eligible providers of telehealth and we have no mechanism under the physician fee schedule to bill for those services. So we wanna be eligible for telehealth and um, this this particular piece of legislation would um, uh, provide that opportunity of pass. All
0: right. wanna take a step back um, and look at the changes from a 30,000 foot view for our industry. So most of us as clinicians, as uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, et cetera, um, and as business owners, we're trying to balance two things here. One, on the left side of your screen, you see people, relationships, reputation. This is usually by nature, what we're really good at. We love to help people. We would, if we could legally and ethically, which we cannot, but we would waive all co-pays and co-insurances and all that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Again, legal disclaimer, you can't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the right side, um, we have productivity. And this is where we get into um, our you know, metrics and essentially running a sound business so we can keep our doors open. And when we're talking about Medicare cuts here in 2022, we're, we're constantly trying to juggle these two things. You know, now we have record uh, debt coming out of school, we have seen PTA, and I'm not sure what even to make of this right now, but uh, PTA demand for salary dramatically increase at a time when reimbursements are going to dramatically decrease. That doesn't make sense uh, in the marketplace long term, so we're doing, we're all performing this, this balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get to um, how to forecast here really quick. uh, This session is brought to you by um, Breakthrough. What we do is we work with practices to help them grow um, with primarily direct to consumer marketing and also um, a word on BCMS, Mary, Um, as a client, I can do this for you or you are more than welcome to.
1: uh, Oh, I think I'd like to have you say something and then Alicia will chime in.
0: Great. So, you know, as owners, um, we, uh, there are a couple different ways that we can look at revenue. Um, the way that I look at it as an owner is we want to yes, get reimbursed and not leave money on the table for the services that we provide. However, we also want to keep it safe. So I don't know if you've ever been audited by Medicare. We have done it now twice. Uh, it's not a pleasant experience. Once I had to write a check back to Medicare, um, for, and this was many years ago. Um, basically, we were uh, not keeping track of time in, time out. Uh, we were keeping track of it in a written chart, not uh, within our, I'm sorry, we kept it electronically. We did not keep it in the written chart, and that got us in trouble. So, how to write a check to Medicare that was extremely painful when I was early in private practice a few years ago after we went through um, working with BCMS, Mary. Flew here to Harrisburg, the destination capital of the world, and did a, a <laughs> thorough audit of our operations. Um, we handled the redundant coding, um, and you know, made a lot of changes. Uh, we were then audited by Medicare, and we actually got a small check written back to us from Medicare, which was really really cool. So, if you're thinking about protecting your revenue, um, BCMS is, is your go-to. Okay,
2: thank you, Chad. Chad, it's always great to have an endorsement like that. Um, I won't be long. Um, I feel like most of the people who are on this call, just when I kind of scroll through know us. So it's nice to see everybody. Thanks for participating. If you don't know us, we are here to protect you. We are an outpatient compliance um, consulting firm. That's all we do. Um, we have a litany of products and services. We help that help you be in compliance. Um, You can see these listed on our screen here. We provide compliance programs um, that are fully um, in compliance, again, with the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Labor. And then we also have chart audits and enrollment and on-site audits like we did for Chad a number of years ago, Um, you know, security risk analysis. And then, of course, we have Mary, who does a lot of our consultation and education. So thank you guys for participating today. And um, I'll sign back. I'm
0: off, okay. Great, thanks, Alicia. All right, so how do we forecast forward and then we'll get into the Q&A here. So, it and this is a hypothetical practice. I went uh, with a a million dollar practice. It could be a practice location, but you can extrapolate it to the size of your practice. If you're doing 500,000 a year in revenue, then just half the recipe if you're doing 10 million in revenue, then then 10 exit. But, um, you know, in, in this example, I use 11,000 visits on the year, um, forecasted gross revenue projected to be a million dollars. It's roughly $91 a visit, which is close to the national average. You can see I went through employment, billing, marketing space, office expense, clinic expense, estimates, total cost there, 783k. Uh, this is a pretty proficient Hypothetical practice where they have uh, 20% margin and uh, the profit margin there is 217, right? Pretty good. So what does this mean? What do the the Medicare cuts mean moving forward? So I have some assumptions here. 6% growth. That's the industry average. So we're up to uh, 11,660 visits next year. Gross revenue and I assumed a 3% Medicare cut. I believe it's actually 3.7%. So I was on the wrong- Around bit. there. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it's gonna vary based on the utilization of the procedures, but around there and your gypsy too.
0: Yep, yep. Um, so we have the 15% PTA cut and I assumed a 50% Medicare mix. So for years, an, uh, an error that I made is I thought we were 32% Medicare. What I wasn't counting is all the Medicare replacement that we were seeing um, because the physician fee schedule and the PTA cut is going to be extrapolated or is going to affect all of our Medicare replacement as well. So for us, it's uh, close to 50%. And I know many of many other practices are on the same boat. So um, having said that, if we assume a 3% Medicare cut. PTA cut and roughly half of the visits are being seen by a PTA, that even though we're increasing visits by 6%, our gross revenue actually goes down. And the problem is that we have upward pressure on employment and space costs, Um, especially if we look at construction, or I know for us, the big example is equipment, Um, a a normal treatment table, we could usually get uh, for under $500, now the delivery on a treatment table is $300. <laughs> um, and it, it, the total cost is 1200 So within a year, um, we've more than doubled the cost of, um, that's just a, a single example. So I went through and extrapolated this out for billing, marketing, space, office expense, clinic expense, etc. Our total cost would be 805 And this doesn't seem like a big deal. This is, you know, uh, it's still seems like a good practice at 18%. The problem is that many of us aren't at 20%, a 20% margin, we're at 10. And anytime we dip below 10% um, per Greg Crabtree and many other analysts um, as a service-based provider, we're on thin ice, right? We're in jeopardy of closing our practice. Um, We can't really weather too many storms uh, at less than 10% margin so this is really a big deal in our industry because that cut is roughly um, three to four percent of of our total margin so anytime that um, we have this problem and i've talked with literally hundreds of owners about this there are two ways that we can look at remedying this situation number one and by the way every single owner on here um, should go through the exercise projecting forward to 2022 The other thing that we're doing is, because we have six clinics and six clinical directors, every director is going through the same exercise. So it's forcing us to consider all of our assumptions that we've had in the past. But uh, when we're looking to problem solve, there are two places that you can look to remedy it. Number one is you can look to cut costs, right, in in business. And to me, what I've seen happen is that is, it, it leads to a quick demise right, multiple examples of this. What's better long term are thinking through ways that we can increase top line revenue. And essentially, there are three ways to do that. Number one, we can attract more patients, right? We can look at better uh, personnel and space utilization through the attraction of more new patients. The second thing that we can do is increase per patient revenue, so per plan of care. What does that mean? Well, it could mean changing payer mix, which we can talk about elsewhere. It could mean um, adding a cash pay service in um, that, you know, for everybody that's coming through and increase our revenue that way. And the third area that we can focus on is reactivating uh, past patients, right? Uh, Getting more lifetime customer value uh, from our lists. And, you know, what we see in general is more than 90% of practices um, that we're working with, Um, or that we've talked with, uh, they're not really fully utilizing that that past patient list. um, They're they're losing money there. They're leaving money on the table. So if you're interested in addressing those three areas and growing top line revenue, um, there is a poll coming up right now. You can click yes on that um, if you're interested in that. And what you're gonna do on that call is you'll meet with our team. They'll help you take a look at your practice and then create a plan moving forward so that you can grow your top line revenue. This is really for practices that are, that are growth oriented and want to expand um, their impact space and want to grow their team. So questions at this time, I know uh, Abby you're on here uh, to help moderate. Uh, we can start firing away.
1: Let's see. Yeah, I don't mind um, uh, going through the questions.
3: Just Yeah, we have a number here. Do you want me to read them off for you, Mary?
1: No, I've been looking at the ones that have come through. Why don't I just go ahead and take them one by one?
3: Go for it.
1: Okay, so um, I did say that I wasn't getting into the nuts and bolts of the PTA coding, but I think this particular situation needs to be addressed, and that is, what is the order of payment reduction? So, you know, where do they start that 15% application? And what CMS has said, and it is stated very clearly, um, one of the few things that's very clear in the physician fee schedule is that they will be taking 85%, okay, paying 85% of their allowable, so that 80%. So, and this is on, when they look at the uh, beneficiaries uh, payment, uh, we're looking at uh, all these therapy codes that that get the um, um, MPPR, so the multiple procedure payment reduction, all of that gets calculated in. Right now, this year, we don't have the 2% sequestration but unless there's congressional action, we will. So that's kind of another add-on uh, you know, reduction. But basically once all of those things are factored in, they are going to take the 15% of the final adjustment. So it's not made upfront. Uh, they, they factor in all of the other things. And I think that's important for you to understand. If that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, we, can, we have put in, and I typed up some answers because we got a lot of questions prior to um, the session um, starting. So uh, I did type in a couple of examples. And uh, Andrea, are we providing the Q and A's to in the chat box after we finish?
4: Um, We certainly can't we can email those out afterwards with the recording.
1: Okay, we can do that. And then if there are other questions, we can uh, add those uh, questions and answers, and then we'll send it out. So you'll have that I have a a little scenario uh, that might help you um, uh, understand that a little bit better. So the next question has to do with remote. therapeutic monitoring. And as I mentioned, we have the five codes. Uh, The neat thing about this particular scenario is unlike the NPR, which uh, is for the physicians, and it relies on using only a medical device uh, to transmit the the data, Uh, patients with using the RTM that we have now uh, access to allows patients to enter their own medical information. Now, they still have to use a medical device, um, but they can enter themselves. And they also can enter things that would be important to us is have you done your home exercise program? What's your pain level? Uh, has there been a change in your medication? So the non-psychological, I um, mean, excuse me, physiological information can be recorded also. So those are wins for us. And uh, again, there's more information uh, we are providing you with our newsletter that we put out on Wednesday with the fee schedule summary with some details, and it'll it'll be in that as well. Uh, we did have someone who who asked. Uh, What's the deal? What's the big deal about supervision? We already have general supervision. Well, we really do not have general supervision in the PTA because of the pandemic. We have virtual supervision requiring audiovisual capabilities. Um, If we had general supervision, it would just be audio. Most practice acts, I think there's 44, 45 states that allow general supervision of the PTA. Um, that is being reasonably accessible to them, at least by phone. So we're, now. Yeah, that's not a big deal now because most of us have smartphones. So there's that feature. Uh, but you do have to have a patient who has a smartphone. So that does uh, put a little kink into it.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for practice growth. Breakthrough has helped over 1,500 healthcare practice owners leave a bigger impact in their communities and grow a larger business. As the founder of Breakthrough, I've developed a library of educational resources on practice growth. These are based on my learnings from my own experience as a private practice owner plus the experience working with thousands of other owners in the Breakthrough community. If you have a growth mindset and you're hungry for free resources to help you grow, check out Breakthrough's resource hub. Go to getbreakthrough.com/resources where you'll find on-demand trainings tools, templates, planning guides, and a host of other free resources. Again, you can find these at getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. If you're interested in getting direct support with your practice growth, you can request a free growth consultation at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer.
3: I'll just read these off through you. So the first one, um, what is the status of, um, I'm going to butcher this word.
0: Sequestration.
3: Sequestration going into 2021. You kind of answered that a little bit, but. Okay,
1: so sequestration is mandated. It's been in place since 2013. Uh, It impacts um, the, uh, uh, obviously the payment, but it's a 2% reduction. Uh, It was put on, um, it was suspended during the pandemic. It will take congressional action Um, before 2022 um, for it to be halted. It is legislatively required.
3: Okay. Okay. Next question from Denise. Will they ever change the rule where a PT has to be present in an outpatient private setting?
1: Well, that would be the general supervision that we're talking about. And believe me, we're knocking down the door. That's one of the bills that I uh, suggested that you follow and support and and talk to your congressman about. Uh, it makes no sense for us to have um, direct supervision requirement and other settings have general, especially when we look at rehab agencies who operate identically to us from a, a normal operations uh, perspective. So. Um, support that bill, and let's hope we can get it passed. It makes sense. We don't know why they did not put it into the fee schedule uh, because they did say they were considering uh, doing that in the proposed rule.
3: OK, next question also from Denise. If the owner PT signs all notes, will there be any reductions for PTAs?
1: I'll say it again. I couldn't hear you very well.
3: If the owner slash PT signs all notes, will there be any reductions for PTAs?
1: Well, first of all, yes, that would be incorrect to do that. Um, An owner, if they are not the person providing the service, then that could be a false claim. That means something is being reported as billable under somebody's NPI who did not render the service. So uh, there is no place for co-signing and billing, except for PTAs, obviously uh, we can, they're gonna bill under our number, but the fact that someone signs for it does not replace the actual behavior and the behavior is if the PTA saw the patient. So if they saw the patient, then you have to comply with the current uh, regulations stating uh, you know, when the CQ or CO uh, modifiers have to be used. And they have a number of scenarios in uh, the Medicare uh, fee schedule, physician fee schedule.
3: Next question comes from Christine. Will locum tenums be
1: available for Medicaid as well? Don't know. Sorry, um, I haven't seen anything say that they would adopt it. And you have to remember Medicaid is, has state policy. And so those policies have got to be dealt with on the state level as well as federal things. So policies can vary from state to state, and that may be one. It certainly wouldn't hurt to uh, um, support that, talk to your local congressman about that, but there's no automatic transfer of that uh, rule if it were to be passed.
3: Okay, next question, Uh, kind of a long one here. Wouldn't it create a bigger stink with CMS if we could get all the private practice to go non-par with Medicare and refuse to see Medicare patients while educating the Medicare patients as to why we are not accepting Medicare patients and the recourses to contact senators and or CMS?
1: Uh, I am a gigantic proponent of non-participation. For those of you who do not know what that means, That means you choose not to accept assignment. You must be enrolled in Medicare. It is not opting out of Medicare because we don't have that prerogative. We either participate or or choose, or we either are enrolled or we're not enrolled. If you are enrolled, you can participate through assignment, accepting an assignment of benefits, which means you accept Medicare allowable, or you can say, I'm not gonna accept uh, assignment. You may bill up to the limiting charge, which is 15% more than Medicare. There are ups and downs to that. You have to be prepared in order for that to work. You have to be prepared to collect cash at the time of service, or you will turn into a collection agency. Uh, It is a very, very detailed type of uh, scenario. Uh, should you uh, be interested in more information, we do have a little snippet we have prepared on that. Uh, please contact Alicia Mahoney if you're interested in more information. But I yes.
2: actually, um, we actually, Mary, um, we did the webinar on this in January, and we have a recording of it. So I can, you know, share that recording. That
1: would be perfect.
2: Okay, and I'm going yes, to. Share- I think
1: uh, I think power because you know what. Ha- And what what I have said in my discussions with my legislator is this will impact access. Those people who have cash-based practices obviously have a population that can tolerate paying cash. Um, Now, unlike just being cash out of pocket, they will get reimbursed from Medicare, but it is after the fact, cash out of pocket, and it is a slightly reduced Amount that they get paid for Medicare, plus they have to pay the limiting charge. Um, So, your population has to tolerate that. If you are in an impoverished area or even in in areas where people really are dealing with uh, not being able to come up with cash uh, at the time of service, then that's going to limit access because they're going to say no. And that's what I go after. This will limit patient access. Is that what you want? for your constituents. So yes, that would be wonderful. But a lot of people are not willing to do that, unfortunately. But I understand it because there are just some communities you you would shut down your practice because they could not see patients.
3: Okay. Next question. Um, Will Medicare 2022 deductible increase as well?
1: Yes. uh, Deductible for the patient. And I... uh, I think I knew it. It's, oh, what is it? It's um and is it three? I can't remember. I'm sitting there going, I might have that somewhere. Let me see if I have that in my notes. Someone just uh, put 203 in the yes, chat. Yes, but it is going, I think it's 203. Uh, yes, it is, it's definitely going up.
3: Okay. And then we have a question from Jessica. Is there any update from Medicare and or other commercial or federal player payers regarding covering telehealth or virtual visits for PT? Last I heard this coverage would end this year.
1: Uh, right now, the telehealth uh, is going to go through um, the end of either the year in which the pandemic uh, is declared over well, that's typically how it is. So they extended the pandemic that moved it to January 15th. Since that's in year 2022, it will go through through excuse me, 2022. If indeed there is not congressional action and the pandemic is declared over or we hit 2020, well, if the pandemic is declared over during the year, Um, At the end of year 2022, we will no longer be able to provide services via telehealth for the reason I said before, we are not statutorily listed as telehealth providers. So again, another bill for you to um, talk up with your legislators.
3: Okay, next one. Will the sequestration be reinstated?
1: Well, let me see my crystal ball. Uh, I am praying um, that, the, that Congress says enough's enough. No, I just don't know. This, the, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I was delighted they extended it um, this year. Um, but I guess a lot depends upon the state of affairs. I just really don't know.
3: Okay, last question we have in this box is from Laura, does the emergency regulation requiring COVID-19 vaccination for healthcare workers announced today apply to outpatient clinic employees regardless of number of employees? If so, does it apply to all employees regardless of contact with patients?
1: You know, that just came out this morning and, and I have been reading it. Uh, we have uh, absolutely determined that there is a conflict between the executive summary and the actual, they call it unpublished, because uh, the Federal Register definitely has it in place. That's what I was reading. Um, but it's not, it's not the published version yet. I think that'll go out uh, tomorrow or the next day. Um, so there are some conflicts. What we know right now is that it will apply to businesses that have 100 or more employees, and they have um, the they will have the option of vaccination initiated by December 4th. That's today, our fifth, um, and to have the the last. Did I say December, I meant November. And then things need to be in place and finalized by the 4th or 5th of December. There are uh, options for testing, and there are also options for religious, medical, and other exceptions. That is the part I have not gotten to yet to see what applies. Um, Unlike the CMS requirement, for uh, people who accept money from Medicare. Uh, That was for agencies, contractors um, that, uh, for instance, we have agencies, it applies to them, but because we're not an agent of the state or or certified by uh, CMS as a provider, it did not apply to us in private practice. OSHA, unfortunately, is not making that distinguish, distinguish, I'll get it, distinguish, forget it, they're not telling you uh, that at this point. Uh, These are long, long documents and we do have to work through them. I understand it's very time sensitive. Uh, I know that the private practice section is working intensely. On this, um, I've been in communication with them this morning. Um, so, as we get more information, uh, we will be putting that out in our newsletter uh, tomorrow uh, as we disseminate through this. Um, and um, I would tell you to tune in to your local associations, uh, the Private Practice Association. Uh, If you're interested in working with us, you can contact Alicia and uh, we can get information to you.
4: Great, thank you. Looks like we have just a few more questions that it would be great to get to. Okay. Um, This one is, what are the new codes for 2022 and how are they used? Big question.
1: Are you talking about the the, um, therapeutic Uh, excuse me, the remote therapeutic monitoring?
4: Remote monitoring codes, yes. Okay.
1: so those are in the handout that you have as far as a specific code. Um, I can tell you that, um, but it is written up. So that'll be a little more long lasting. I let me look this up. There's two 20 minute codes. Um, They deal with um, the service you're providing, the first 20 minutes provided in a month, and then they have a second code that is, again, another full 20 minute unit. Um, These have to do with the service that's provided remotely. Then there are a second set of codes, um, the 98976 and 98977, um, that don't fall under actually the, the PTA de minimis, And uh, those have to do with the devices. So they're not, you know, even though I guess if a PTA were helping with this, it would not impact the or cause the application of 15% uh, reduction. And then the third code, I didn't say what the uh, the first two were. It was uh, 98980 and 98981 were the first uh, 20-minute codes. Uh, And the final code is 98975. And this one is um, the initial setup of the monitoring and patient education. And it is subject to the PTA reduction.
4: Great, thank you. And any comments on the audits going on for neuro uh, reduction and now moving to therapeutic activity?
1: Are you talking about post-payment uh, reviews. I, I mean, that, that's a real open uh, question. So the there are a number of audits going on, and the MACs have been kind of like crazy since they um, reinstituted them in April of, I mean, August of last year. The first thing we saw were post-payment reviews. They are targeted. They're not targeted probe uh, education audits. They are targeted in that they are looking at specific CPT codes. And those codes are selected based on how you perform in relationship to your peers. So if you uh, perform, if you exceed your peers, or maybe even if you go way under your peers, they might look at you for that. So it is outside of the bell curve, so to speak. Those are still going on aggressively. Um, You know, sometimes we get four or five, six calls or emails a day with, oh my God, I'm being audited. So um, that they are going on. Uh, The targeted education and probe, the targeted probe and education audits have resumed. I haven't seen them um, be employed as aggressively as the post-payment audits. Um, They probably will, but right now I have not seen that. And those focus on a number of things. They certainly target CPT code utilization but other irregularities. So they're going to look maybe a little bit more at aberrant billing behavior. Uh, As we said, redundant coding, um, misuse or uh, overuse of particular modifiers, um, errors and denials on claims that exceed the norm. So they're looking at a number of things with that TPE audit, and yes, they will continue. Um, During the four months that they suspended audits during the first part of the pandemic, they had four months to collect a lot of information. And uh, that data mining, uh, we are now paying for.
4: Great, thank you. Um, Looks like one of our attendees has raised his hand. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and let him uh, talk and you can ask your question,
1: Jason. And please speak as loud and clearly as possible.
4: Go ahead, Jason, whenever you're ready.
2: It looks like he's still muted, Um, Abby. Pardon? It looks like Jason is still muted. Oh,
1: okay.
3: Yeah, no, you answered my question. So I tried to raise, lower my hand.
2: Oh,
4: (laughs) we don't allow that. No worries. Thanks, oh, Jason. Sorry. Okay, one more question we have here. Um, is anyone working on the Medicare Advantage plans regarding the $40 copays per visit
1: to PT? Um well, I can't say if somebody is. Um, you're talking about us being classified. Um, well, I think actually that's commercial as um. Specialist, is that what you're talking about, versus generalist? If that's the case, um, I I know that there is action out there at the association, the National Association level, uh, whether it's specific to Medicare Advantage, uh, I don't know. You have to remember Medicare Advantage, while they are contracted, contracted with the federal government, they are uh, commercial payers, they write policy. So their policies are specific and unique to their plans.
3: Awesome, thank you. And it looks like we don't have any more questions in the chat box or the um, chat, you guys are free to keep putting some in there. Um, but we do have more of our pre-event questions that I can go through, Mary. Um, um that's That's fine. Okay. Next one is, why are PTs not on the list
1: as approved telehealth providers? Uh, You know, if I don't know why, I want to say, stop my feet and say, not fair, not fair, not fair. Um, That won't get me anywhere. Um, The bottom line is that we need to take action to get that changed. Uh, We have been talking about it. We have demonstrated good compliance to the best of my knowledge. I haven't heard of any rogue behavior going on. So I think that um, they have a history. Uh, My guess is they really haven't had time or maybe the desire to evaluate it. And you have to understand it will take congressional action. If you happen to be monitoring what's going on nationally, there's a lot of things that have major catastrophic impact on us as America. And so it might not be foremost on their mind. Uh, When I talked to my legislator, I had to wait a long time to decide I want to talk to you about physical therapy um, uh, legislation because I had to be sensitive to where he was in trying to deal with things that impact all of his constituents, not just us. So uh, I would tell you that uh, I don't want us to, you know, just kind of be marked in our time, but we do have to be sensitive, uh, but support the bills that are out there that will help us. So it does, they have the bills, look and see if they have signed onto the bills, look and see if they support the bill. Um, it takes a second to write them. You can go on their website and you can, uh, it'll say, uh, offer your comments, what's it about, healthcare, energy, whatever it is. Um, and you can write, and you know they're really good in most situations, at least my legislators are, of responding. Okay.
3: Okay, awesome. Thank you. Next one we have is, how many evaluations can we bill in a year? What length of time?
1: Now that one crept in there. This kind of really doesn't have anything to do with uh, the subject matter here, but I will tell you, and I'll answer that question quickly, um, that's uh, how many evaluations you can bill in a year would be dictated by a couple of things. Your Practice Act, does it require certain um, uh, terms for when you do a, um, a, an evaluation or a reevaluation, And if so, you must comply with that, even if it is more stringent than federal regulation. Now, from Medicare, Medicare would require a reevaluation or an evaluation if the patient presents with a new condition or new diagnosis, because that could impact the plan of care. You just don't take a patient that was a back patient and now fell and broke their hip and just go on with them. So obviously you're going to evaluate them. Um, And that would be consistent with practice act too. So anything that's going to impact the plan of care, whether you're Uh, adding to it, or you're reducing it because of new conditions, um, you'll need to do those particular evaluative procedures and bill accordingly. And Medicare would expect to see some change in the plan of care, or at least some comment if you added a new um, condition or diagnosis as to why the plan of care didn't change. And recertification would be required if you do have um, a uh, new addition or major reduction in goal, uh, those types of things um, for a new condition. Recertification would be required.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, just want to recap, too, um the links that we have in the chat here. If you guys want more information, we have a link to the planning tool that we've posted. Uh, BCMS, Alicia has posted... A link um, if you want to contact them for more information as well as her email address and we can repost those too so you can see them easily and remember too if you haven't answered that poll question that's an easy way to just make sure someone will follow up with you
1: awesome I, I will say this uh, we certainly do want to answer questions and uh, we truly value our relationship with breakthrough but our services aren't free And um, so we do need you to understand that that we do have to bill for consultation. If it's something we can simply say, oh, we have that push the button and you have it that, you know, on a limited basis, we could certainly do that. But if you want consultation, please understand. uh, I charge for my services as do uh, our team members based on what the subject matter is.
0: Yeah, don't don't. Don't abuse the relationship. Mary and Alicia and the team at BCMS are, are doing an amazing job. Have out some love for them in the chat um, for being here, providing that. The other thing that I wanted to say is, um, on uh, behalf of Breakthrough and uh, everybody at BCMS that has made this um, has made this happen uh, in a very timely and, and quick manner. Um, you know, you, the owner, you're putting in the work. Um, The one thing that I want to say that I talked with a couple of of owners about is uh, it's very easy to feel like we're isolated on an island and that because things didn't go exactly our way uh, in the final ruling that nobody was doing anything. Um, I can tell you that when I was getting in contact and our team was getting in contact with Mary, she was busy on the phones, like putting in a ton of work um, beforehand before the final ruling came out. Um, doing calls to Washington, et cetera. Um, Same thing with other leaders. I know last week I was trying to get in touch with uh, Chris Redding at USPH, and literally this is the first time it ever happened, but he said, hey, um, I have calls with Congress all day, um, today and tomorrow, here's a a 20 minute spot I can fit you in. So very, very, uh, just realize that even though we might not be seeing it, a lot of people, within physical therapy, private practice PT are fighting um, to to make our voice be heard. So make sure um, you support them in whatever way you can and at least um, acknowledge that. Again, um, and why Alicia is on here, what's the best way for people to get in contact um, with BCMS?
2: So um, Chad, I went ahead and I put in the chat box um, my email address and then also um, like a link because a lot of people are asking about our newsletter. But um, my email address, I'm typically your point of contact for kind of learning about what we do and and our services. So um, it's in there, and um, and I appreciate, by the way, all the clients who are who are so nicely saying nice things. So thank you, it's very nice. <laughs> so, but my the,
1: table, I'll, the table, Oh, I'm sorry, Alicia. Hey, I'll put my um, um
2: email in the chat box another another time. Just now, in case you haven't seen it.
1: And we did some of the takeaways, of course, we did put the, that's our newsletter in there. We did, um, oh shoot, Alicia, do you have the list of what we put in? Um, I know that we did uh, the Always Therapy Codes that are subject to sequestration, excuse me, that are subject to multiple procedure payment reduction. Um, We put in the uh, full... Um, we, have, we, have the, um, we
2: have the addendum of E geographic patient cost. Um, and then, and, yeah, and then we've got the um, CMS-1751F uh, um, separately payable therapy services subject mm-hmm. to NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, we also uh, wait. Is this is this? Yeah, this is it, right? We also did the 2021. PFS November second final leg like rolling, and then we did our issue of SEPA that we sent out um, yesterday.
0: Excellent. Um, okay. One more thing that uh, for the only because I saw the um, the comment from Bill meeting with my legislators next week. So far, very open minded. Um, we do have some podcast interviews that we're lining up, um, and in the early going, there it, it's from people that have lobbied effectively uh, for private practice PT, um, a couple different groups that we're gonna talk with there. But the one thing that they've all said in common is when we made it about physical therapy, nobody listened. When we made it about the patient, the patient. is exactly what you said earlier too, Mary, and I just wanna call it out. When we made it about the, the patient who is their voter or their constituent, I think is the word that you used, then uh, all of a sudden they listened and there was meaningful change there. So if you are talking, um, if you're sending a message or you have a call with a legislator, make sure you make it about the patient, frame everything around uh, the welfare and health of the patient. And I think you're gonna um, find a lot more success there.
1: I will tell you something that was very effective for us uh, back when, okay, when we were trying to get direct access in Texas, we, we figured out um, our, our state legislator had X number of people in his district. We calculated how many uh, percentage-wise we saw, okay? We looked at how many times we saw that patient and had contact with that patient. We extrapolated that. We put his number, which was district seven to the nth such-such degree, I can't remember, uh, exponential. Um, factor and we said this is how many of your constituents we talk to every day and his eyes and his behavior changed immensely use that the other thing I will tell you because I did lobby uh, for five years put the subject matter first don't go into a bunch of detail they call it a 60 second bite put that first patient access your constituent is not being served adequately because 60 second bite. And then if they give you more time, you can go into more detail.
0: Great, Mary, Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Uh, To everybody else uh, who's still watching right now, thank you for putting the time in in the trenches of private practice PT. I'm sure we're all gonna learn uh, to survive and ultimately uh, grow and impact more lives uh, through this. So thank you for being here, for putting in the work. See you.
2: Bye, thank you, thank you. Have a good one.
1: Call your legislators. (laughs) Take care. Bye.
0: Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, Make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.